And we are back for another week. We are the Run Duo. I am Tommy Mitchell. And I am India Cook. How we doing, India? We are doing great. Oh my gosh, another two weeks has passed in the the house. Yes, so this is episode 61. Episode 61. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Now we got a great guest coming, uh, Brandon Johnson. You'll hear from him in a little bit. He is um, um, Olympic marathon qualifier. Great interview. You guys are going to really enjoy it, so, so stay tuned for that. Yes, please, please stay for stay tuned for that. It is going to be awesome. He's a great, great, talk, great person to talk to and some good information. Exactly. Now, um, first, I want to start off with happy Father's Day to all the fathers. We missed yes. you guys. Um, happy Juneteenth for all the Juneteenth. We missed that as well. But yes. I hope everybody had a good time. Did you do anything fun for Juneteenth? I got some miles in. I didn't do anything fun like I wanted to. I was preparing for a wedding that I was going to for the weekend, so I wasn't able to get out. I wanted to do, they did have a run in Piedmont Park, the same people that um, Shannon Booker as well as Kenny um, Boone, they did a run in Piedmont Park on Juneteenth. They did like a three, uh, 5K with around uh, Piedmont Park. So I wanted to participate in that, but I didn't get a chance to, so um i didn't do anything special special but of course just you know just hanging out at home and doing my research that i always said i've been continuing to do for myself exactly so um they had it it was on friday they did it or did they do it on saturday okay yeah that's probably why i didn't see it Mm -hmm. yeah unfortunately my company didn't give me a juneteenth off me neither. Me neither. <laughs> it happened. Me neither. I was working. I think I even had a longer day than usual on the, well on that day, but it's okay. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, now, if you haven't heard um, about the race, and the race, of course, we always say, hey, there's something that we have supported from day one, myself as well as India. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I consider Tess to be a, a friend. Um, they have pivoted. Uh, it's not canceled. It's a pivot. Um, and you know, uh, she did a, a live and I don't know, I can't remember which day it was, but she did a live and she went over all that information, but really quickly, um, I just wanted to confirm, um, some things that she talked about because, go ahead, I'm sorry. And I was going to say, before you go into it, for our new listeners, um, and people that may, we always talk about is a, uh, race director that's and the race is actual 5k and half marathon that takes place here in Atlanta, Georgia. Usually the first week of October, she does not do it on the same weekend as Chicago. Um, but it's usually within the first two weeks of, of October, this would have been the, um, third year that the race has, um, gone on. And so we want to give you kind of update for that. We, like Tommy said, we definitely represent the race. The race is for us, by us, uh, African-American uh, race director, we give back to black businesses, well, excuse me, the race give back to black businesses and everything. So it is a, a great time and it's a, it's a great weekend and it's different than your average race weekend. It's definitely almost like a family reunion. Um, so we wanted to just bring you all a recap on some changes in regards to the race. It is a pivot. Um, so I just wanted to say that, Tommy, because I know some of our listeners may not know what the race was. So I just wanted to let them know. <laughs> exactly. So uh, the race 2020 pivot edition um like i said it's no longer live it is going to be more virtual but if you do decide to go ahead and support in the pivot edition uh you get the race 2020 particip- participation shirt 
uh, Metal, Bib, and Patch, um, access to the Race 2020 virtual social and uh, speaker events, October 1st through the 4th, access to the Race 2020 virtual expo, supporting our small and corporate business partners on October 2nd, and access to the Race Half Marathon 5K Live digital race event on Saturday, October 3rd. Um, access to results, reporting links, inv invite to the Race 2020 local group run in Atlanta, which I definitely will be going to. Um, uh, contributions to the Race 2020 uh, Charitable Impact Fund. That's the great thing about the race. It's not just about running a race. It's, it is not even just about giving money. They actually physically get out and um, have their uh, virtual community service initiatives which they will have on October 4th where they're, they're putting hands on things. So, um, right. but and that five, is $5 each registration also goes to charities, um, into 20 plus charities in the, in the local, in our local community, which is amazing. So not only are they giving back a portion of your registration fee, but we, they also do community service activity on the Sunday after the race, which is just amazing. And not many races do that. Now, of course, people who had already signed up, you can, um, if you want, get a full refund or you can defer uh, the race to 2021. Um, and I think they have, yeah, uh, and I'm sorry. Uh, and then they have a, what they call a support refund where you request a refund of 80% of your race registration fee. Um, but that's, you know, you, you, the money I guess is gonna go toward the charity. So if you wanna do a support refund, so those are for people who have already signed up um, and want to decide what they want to do next. But they also have the Pivot Edition is open for registration as well on active.com. So you can find them there. Definitely. And something that I love about the race, Tommy and I have both been involved in the race since the beginning. Um, and we, we participated in the speaker series as well as did a live podcast. And what Tess has mentioned to us is that they are still going to be hosting basically like a virtual expo. They are wanting to still do a speaker series showcase, um, potentially collaborating with some different people um, to basically have a virtual expo and experience for the whole weekend. So it's not that the race is going completely away. She definitely expressed that she did not want it to be, go do your virtual race, send in your time, here's your medal. But we're still going to allow there to be a big experience for the weekend and stuff for you to engage in for the whole weekend. Exactly. Um, like she said, not just a regular virtual run. Um, but I just wanted to, that's just a small tidbit, just kind of giving you some background or information about the uh, Pivot Edition, but go to the race uh, website and there you can get all the information that you need as far as if you've already signed up and you want to see about the refunds, or if you haven't signed up and you want to go ahead and, and participate in the Pivot event, a Pivot Edition yeah. of the race. Yeah or if you want to donate. And if you have any questions, you can always um, email the race at info at theraceuc.com. Um, and Tess is always open to um, communicating and giving any questions or answering any questions. I mean, she, they're very excited right now. They have over 1,350 run, runners and walkers that we're going to be participating this year and people that are just going to pivot their registration um, and still participate in a great weekend. So yeah, that was that kind of our information on the pivot edition of the race 2020. Um, and I'm excited because I definitely want to, I'd already planned regardless if the race, you know, ran live or not, I was going to go run the course. So it sounds like that's going to happen anyway. So I'll be happy to go do that. 
Yes, for sure. I'm I'm excited too. I'm just I'm gonna run those miles. Um, and just the same way that I'll be running Peachtree's miles. <laughs> it may be different, but it's those miles are gonna get ran. So are you planning on going? I was thinking about this. Are you planning on going out on the fourth and running oh, Peachtree? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I that's my tradition. <laughs> that's, my, that's been my tradition for over 10 years. I cannot not do it. Yes, I will be running. 6.1 mile, two miles on, uh, <laughs> miles down PC Street on the 4th of July with no uh, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. That's because, yeah, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and go ahead. And, even though they, you know, they rescheduled it for Thanksgiving, so the race will actually, you know, the uh, Peachtree Road race will actually go on. I said, you know mm-hmm. what, I'm still going to go run it on the 4th of July. You know what? Definitely. I might even might even have a, a a stroller by then. I might be strong enough to. Well, I guess it's only a week away, so if I can't do it now, I probably can't do it then. But anyway, um, maybe push uh push a little tray along. Yes, push a little tray along. <laughs> oh man! Now uh, speaking of peace tree, anyway, mm-hmm. um, what's going on with ATC or Atlanta Track Club? Yeah, so Atlanta Track Club is going to, they have reopened their social distancing racing. Um, so it's really exciting. So on they are doing a three-race series, and basically they have capped the amount of people that can participate in these races. But on July 18th, they are doing a one-mile race at the Georgia International Convention Center. And then on July 25th, they're doing a 5K at Browns Mill Battlefield. And then on August 8th, they're doing an 8K at McIntosh Reserve Park. And so it is a three-part race series, summer race series for $60. Um, And it's just a way to get them back into doing racing again. They're they're capping the amount of entrance people that can um, run these races so that they can do it in an effective way, as well as obviously the corrals spreading out the corrals and things of that nature. So I'm really excited for those opportunities. Um, I'll probably go out and volunteer for those races and kind of see what's going on, but it's a good way to kind of segue into getting some kind of racing done. And I know that a lot of people are excited about the one mile race uh, because not, we don't do that very often here in Atlanta, at least a mile race. And I think it's a good way to test out your fitness. So kudos to Atlanta track club for re re kind of, kind of trying to get back into the groove of things. And of course, July 4th, being, July 4th Peachtree Row Race being changed to, um, to Thanksgiving, that is an, a, a definite happening. Unfortunately, they can't do um, July 4th race here with it being so many people. So of course, these races that I just listed are a limited, limited capacity of people that can run them. Okay, well, that sounds good. Um, repeat them again one more time, uh, India. Just hit the uh, the the dates again and the, uh, the the areas. So we have July eighth is the mile at the Georgia um, International Convention Center, and then we have July twenty fifth is a five k at Browns Mill Battlefield, and then on August first there's an eight k trail race that will okay. be taking place. Perfect, mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah, I'm kind of excited about that. I don't know about the mile, but maybe the 8K. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's different to do a trail race too. And I think um, a lot of people are currently doing trail races because they're usually a little bit more spread out. They're not like a big pack. And yeah. so it is easier to socially distance with trail races. True. That is very, very true. So how's your training going, India? 
I am doing well. I am continuing to kind of pump out my three to four days of running. Um, today, that the day we recorded, I went and did 2.23 miles. It's the 20, you know, 23rd of uh, June. So I was able to crunch out some miles. So I am doing well. The last couple of weeks, um, well, at least last week, I, I slacked off a little bit on my strength training, but I still got my miles in. So I'm getting back to doing my strength training this week. But other than that, it's going really, really good. I'm definitely doing well on dropping some pounds. So I'm just kind of pushing through and continuing to hopefully get stronger and stronger the, the, as, as I go on. So Sounds, are you training for anything in particular or is this just, just, no, just training? No, I'm not training for anything in particular. I'm just kind of just trying to stay fit and stay. And if a race co comes open, I'm not like super out of shape. So True. I'm just trying to stay ready. Um, honestly, in my mind, I would have loved to done a half marathon in the fall. Um, I, I'm not really sure if that's going to take place. But so I have not particularly trained. Um, I know they have not announced anything about the, P, um, the PNC 10 miler that Atlanta Track Club usually puts on. Um, but I would like to do that 10 miler. I haven't registered for it, but that's an option. So I'm just trying to stay conditioned is basically what I'm doing. Not training for anything in particular. Okay. So they, I'm sorry, they haven't said anything about the 10 miler. I thought mm -hmm. they had. Okay. So there's a chance that still will go on. They haven't officially announced kind of what that looks like. That was a part of the transition package. So I know that when they transitioned the Peachtree Road Race, that was a part of the conversation that they had in regards to what was going to be the triple peach and the ultimate peach. So the 10 miler was still included in that. So I, they haven't officially announced if it was not taking place or not. Okay. Yeah. That, that would be a, right now that would be a great race. To, to yeah. Do, it was, you know, yeah. just for, for something to look forward to, that would be, that would be great to do. Um, myself, I'm staying pretty consistent four to five, um, I, I only did three runs last week because I didn't run on Father's Day. I chilled. Felt like that's a good day for me to chill. Um, yes, you deserve it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I pretty much, and, you know, it's crazy. I don't, okay, so you have the same watch that I have. Do you? Yeah, so, you know, it'll tell you, like, I don't know what this thing is. It kind of tries to tell you how hard you ran. Do you ever look at yeah. that? The recovery time? No, not the recovery th time. It's it's a little, uh, and it might not actually be on the watch. You might have to actually go look at it on the app. But mm -hmm. basically, it, it's like from one to five, I think, and oh, kind of tells you what your aerobic workout was, pretty much. Yeah, and I think and they your base heart it on. Exactly. I think yeah. that's based on your heart rate and everything. So mm -hmm. I pay attention to that. But what I have noticed that, you know, when I first started getting this consistency going, I was always up in you know the three to four area regardless of the distance like my body because I was so you know out of shape so everything was a, a, a job for me basically but mm -hmm. I can tell now like anything on anything at uh four miles and below it, it gives it's that got me at a two um or awesome. 2.5 so I can tell my body's getting back in shape but you know what that means though that means I gotta run long <laughs> you know you know I gotta definitely run longer to to really get in shape. So, you know, the, the shorter runs aren't helping me as much as at least five miles, six miles. So I, I'm looking forward to that because, and I'm enjoying it because I'm getting up early and doing it and that sort of thing. Um, right. Heather, Heather's still pushing me to get a, a jogging stroller, but I told her mm -hmm. I need to get in shape for that. 
<laughs> before I start trying to push anybody around. I need to be able to push myself around. Man, <laughs> man, what? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna go out to Stone Mountain if I'm gonna do it. I doubt I would do it on the sidewalks. Um, just because mm -hmm. I would just be so afraid that I hit a bump and he go toss it into the street. Um, oh my but not him, per but you know, I lose control of the, the stroller. I'd rather do it at Stone yeah. Mountain where there's no real traffic and stuff like that. And, and I don't know how often you've run Stone Mountain, but it ain't the easiest uh, loop in the world. Listen, I used to run Stone Mountain all the time. That was what I used to train for Peachtree on. Like Man. doing Stone Mountain because it's so hilly. Like yes. it's a really good training route. So yes. yeah, yes, it's very hilly. If you can so do I'm, Stone I'm, Mountain. In my mind, in my mind, I'm like, you trying to run Stone Mountain Hills along with the stroller? You really being overzealous. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not not easy. But that's kind of where I am right now. I was actually looking back, and this is another, you know, a lot of people say, well, why do you need to buy a watch and all this other stuff? And why do you have to pay attention to, you know, because I can go back and look at what I was doing. And literally like uh, two months ago, or maybe it might be three months ago at this point, I literally ran one time. I, I really want to yeah. see what the heck I was doing that month. That I only mm -hmm. went out and ran once, but um, the consistency is definitely paying off. Good. And that's what's important is just staying consistent. I know for me, I found a new route in my area and I've been running that and I've just been feeling a lot stronger on that route. And like you, like I'm just trying to make sure that my heart rate is not in zone five all the time and ensuring that I'm not like overdoing it but at the same time getting good workouts in um my run today was a little tough because my did leg day yesterday and it seems like every time i do leg day and go for a run my legs are like no <laughs> but you know that's what makes you stronger though so most definitely i give you credit uh it's it's hard to do uh weight training and uh consistently run um yeah. so I, I i tip my hat to you i'm not sure if i can do that yeah thank you are you going into the gyms yet? Uh, let's let's talk a little because you know let's talk about the rest of the world. COVID nineteen. Have you loosened up at all? Are you pretty much the same kind of routine that you've been on for this? Whole, well, you had you going into work again, so you definitely had to loosen up somewhat. But yeah, um, well, we so going into the so a couple different things. So I have not purposely loosened anything up. Um, our office is officially opened up this week and they're doing like a phased in approach of employees coming back into the office. I had to go back into the office last week because unfortunately we had another mass layoff. So, um, oh, no. you know, and being that I'm in HR, it's, it's very much needed. So, um, so I definitely had to do that last week. I was in the office every day. Um, so it was one of those things where it was very different. It's kind of, it is a little bit annoying because you're you're walking around with your mask on and you know you're touching things and I feel like I'm sanitizing my hands even more because there's more people around the area. Mm -hmm. um, but I probably won't be full time back into the office until late July, maybe early August. Um, but that's still up in the air. I am not going to the gyms yet. I don't feel comfortable going in the gym yet because I just feel like bodily fluids and stuff are more rampant in the gym. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I am not um, going into the gym. So all of my workouts have been at home. So I have weights, kettlebell, uh, the little heavy medicine balls. I have all of that stuff here at my house. Um, so I'm able to get a really good at home workout and still with, with what I have here. Um, so I haven't, I have not been doing that. The biggest thing that I did recently is I did go to a wedding this past weekend. 
Um, I did have a mask on and there was some period of time that I didn't have a mask on. So I was a little paranoid there, but definitely uh, sanitizing my hands like crazy. And I'm probably going to just go get tested just for peace of mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> being yeah. that I did being that I did go to the wedding. Um, but I'm feeling fine. But of course, we know that you can be feeling fine and still be positive. But I probably will uh, go get tested just just because of that. Have you been tested before? No. So this will be the first time? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. I understand. Yeah, I um, I did uh, venture out this weekend. Uh, first time I've been to a restaurant. Um, had, a little, had a little uh, pre-Father's Day happy hour with some um, Black Men Run uh, old heads. Yeah. Uh, these guys, basically I met all of them through Black Men Run. Um, Mike Martinez, um, Sean, Damon, and Terry Gresham, who's actually been on our, our show before. Um, right. They, uh, we all met up um, at, a, at a bar. And, you know, it was funny because, I mean, you know, I wear a mask everywhere I go. If I get out, of, I'm not, I don't wear it in the car. I do wear it yeah. when I get out of the, you know, if I go into a restaurant, if I go into any place, the grocery store, which is basically the only place I go, is a grocery store in Target. I mean, there's very other, any other places that uh, Heather has allowed me to go to. But I told right. her I was going to do this. I was like, look, I'm going, you know, I just feel like I need to get out, get a drink. Right. So we went out. Um, I was really the only one that came in with a mask. None of them mm-hmm. actually had masks on. Um, mm-hmm. now of course, if anybody knows Damon, he, you know he looked like he he swallowed Arnold Schwarzenegger. This guy's huge. He's he, he was a <laughs> right. he was he was a runner, and now he's into um, bodybuilding. Which right. honestly, he was more of a bodybuilder that ran before. Mm-hmm. He's always really been a bodybuilder, but right. um, he is full time bodybuilding now. And dude is, I mean, his freaking shoulders are ridiculous. Yeah. But mm-hmm. anyway. Um, he was talking about it because uh, him and I kind of got there first. And we were talking, and he said he's he you know he says he goes to the gym. You know they're they're you know they're pretty much venturing out. Him him and um his uh, wife they have pretty much been venturing out a lot more than Heather and I are. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe because of you know we have Trey that probably has a lot to do with it. I think if it was just me and Heather we probably would go out more. But with mm-hmm. Trey we just don't want to you know take a chance. But right. he goes to the gym, so he's the first person I've heard that goes to the gym. Um, the other guys, we didn't really talk about it that much, but that was just kind of interesting to me to see where everybody is with this. Yeah. Like how many people are – because in, 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 uh, it sounds like there's starting to be an uptick again mm-hmm. since, yeah. you know, everybody's kind of opened up. Um, I'm going to stick with my mask basically mm-hmm. uh, most of the time. Uh, when I go out at this point, because the mask really is very little for you. It's really for other people. Just in right. case you are, it's more, it helps other people more than it's really protecting you. And I can't, I kind of feel like, I, I, who am I to say that I'm going to just walk around and breathe on someone who this disease might, I mean, this uh, virus might kill. Whereas just because I'm, you know, healthy, a healthy person, um, I don't think that's fair. Yeah, or what you think is healthy. And I think that's that's my issue is that you, there's a lot of people, and I just recently found out someone that I know um, has it, and she was asymptomatic. Like she didn't have any symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of one of those things where we could be walking around with, with, with COVID, but don't have any symptoms, and we could be passing it to other people. And I think that's the that's another reason why the masks are important is that we could be feeling perfectly fine and be passing it. And that's what we don't want to do is to continue to pass the, the virus. So. Yeah, definitely. So that's yeah. why I will continue to wear. I mean, what's, what I don't understand is why do people think that's such a big deal? It's a mask. Who gives a crap? 
I, mean, I don't know. Like for me, I'm like, I have so many different ones. I have, I have N95s. I have cloth ones that are cute. I have a, uh, NFL one. I have, I mean, I mean, I just decide, I'm like, let's just get creative with it. Cause I feel like it's going to be life for a while. So just put on a cute mask and keep it moving. Exactly. <laughs> this um, weekend at the wedding, I had like a silk mask on that, like, I, cause it was a formal wedding. So I had on a gown, but I had on a silk mask. Cause I mean, it's needed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, now India has some big news y'all. Now y'all probably have already seen it. Most of y'all <laughs> who follow India probably has already seen it. Cause didn't you, wasn't today the first day that you posted it? Today was the first day that I posted. So yes. Yeah, so the big news is that I am launching a YouTube channel. Channel. I am so excited. So today was the first day that I announced it on social media. It's been a long time in the making, Tommy. I think that I've hit, I've hinted to you for a little while that I'm going to be launching a channel. Um, but I am really excited. I'm one of those people that I have to put a date on the cal on the on the calendar to say, okay, you're gonna launch a cha mm -hmm. your channel on this date. So I will be uh, my first video will be posted on um, June 30th, so which is next Tuesday. Um, so I'm really excited about it. It is, and for those that probably are new to following me, I did vlog in the past. Um, I vlogged 2017 and 2018, and I vlogged my experience to my first two. I keep saying first two. It's never a first two. My, I vlogged <laughs> I, my experience to my first full marathon and my second full marathon, which were both in Chicago, but I vlogged that full experience. Um, so every week I did a vlog to document that experience and I posted it only on Facebook. So I just kind of was doing it more so for myself and for the people that followed me at the time because they wanted to know how it was. Um, but now I'm like, you know what, there's more people than just my social media following that will love to hear the information that I'm going to provide. Um, and of course, this, this YouTube channel, I am going to be talking about running things, my weight loss journey. It's going, it's a running blog. So of course it's still going to be running. So it's running. Um, I will be kind of dibbling, dabbling into how to's um questions or concerns in regards to marathons how to run half full training plans you know nutrition and more so like the things that i do in the process so because i think that and i mentioned this before telling your story and how you do things can give people ideas because everybody's how-tos are very different um and everybody's running journey is very different so just because i what i went through may not be the same thing that you went through but i want to be able to do that um i also want to ensure that my platform can be used for people that are interested in becoming runners as well um so i want to highlight some areas of how to kind of get into running things to look for things that they don't tell you about running so I have a lot of different topics that I'll be doing. Um, my hope is to be able to post a video a week. Um, so I will be, you know, hard, hitting hard on the vlogging scene for YouTube. So I'm really, really excited. So you can go to um, YouTube now and subscribe. Um, if you go to my Instagram page, uh, the vlog actually has its own Instagram page, which is Miles from India. Um, and you can click on the YouTube link and go ahead and subscribe. And again, my first video will post on next Tuesday, um, June 30th. So I'm super, super excited about it. That is really exciting. See, actually, because the, the reason I even ever, because if, okay, so for new people who maybe have never heard this before, I used to have a podcast called Shut Up Tommy. That was a running podcast, but I just like 
people to tell me to shut up. And India, and I, India, I think India was my second guest. India, you might be my first guest. I don't even remember now. Um, on the podcast, and then India was vlogging, and then eventually I got tired of just talking to myself. So that's why I contacted India because of her vlogging. I was like, okay, this would be a good person to do it. But then, kind of when we started podcasting, you kind of let the vlog go, and I was like, no, keep <laughs> vlogging. Why have you stopped? So I'm very happy that you're yes. you're getting back to it. So, and just a disclaimer. So the reason why I stopped vlogging then, I was it was it became a lot, but that was because my lifestyle, my personal lifestyle, relationship. Um, as well as work. I was in a very stressful work and it just wasn't working. Um, and so I was like, you know what? Podcasting is fine. Um, but now a lot of things have changed in my life and I feel like I definitely have the time, the energy and the platform to be able to do the vlog. So it is coming back and I'm super excited. I'm going to be here. So for those that have asked, because I, Tommy, I've gotten a couple inboxes of people saying, are you still going to do the podcast? <laughs> So yes, I am still going to be doing a podcast. Me and Tommy will still be doing our bi-weekly podcast. I will be doing the vlog on a weekly basis. So I will be doing both. Um, and just to let you guys know, I, the vlog would be very different than the podcast. So there won't be technically overlying information besides when Tommy and I do our shenanigans, I do give a little update on what I'm doing, but it's usually very brief. And so on the vlog, you will get a more detailed information on what I'm doing, what's going on. Um, I will be doing vlogs at different events, run, run meetups and things of that nature that I do, as well as giving how-to tips and just having different conversations. Whereas this podcast, Tommy, we talk about a lot of current events. Um, we talk about and we interview people. That stuff won't be happening on the vlog. Well, as of right now, that stuff won't be happening on the vlog. So for those that um, want to follow me on both, on the podcast and on the vlog, please do because it's going to be very different content. Yes, definitely, definitely. So very excited about that for you, India, and, and we all Thank cannot you. wait until it is actually up and we can can watch you a weekly. Because I know yes, some people so can, I, exactly people can complain because they only hear India once every other week. So now <laughs> y'all be able to hear India <laughs> and what is that? Four, five, six times a month. Y'all be able to hear me. So yes, yes, definitely go, definitely go subscribe again. Miles from India, go from my Instagram page and click on it. Um, yes. So definitely, definitely do that. I'm really excited about it. And I'm happy to, again, just give back to the running community. And, you know, there's, I just feel like there's so many people that ask certain questions that I feel like people just, you think that they know. And, you know, I just want to be able to have that platform and do it and what's why not give it to the world on youtube so yeah i think a lot of times we take for granted that everybody mm -hmm. knows what we know like okay yeah. uh, if you run you probably know this already but that's great so give out good information so are we for ready sure. for our interview yes wait wait a minute before you oh, go okay. to the interview okay. really 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 quickly i want to say congrats well not congratulations thank you thank you thank you to matt chittam of um of rambling runner he oh, yeah. had us on his yes. podcast. Yes, thank you, Matt. Very much yes. appreciate so it. So he had us on his podcast and he actually interviewed us. So we're usually interviewing people, but he interviewed us. And so it was really amazing. So go on over to Rambling Runner Podcast. You can catch our interview. Um, Tommy and I were both interviewed in the same episode. So definitely check that out if you want to hear um, some background about us, how we got started, all of those details. We are on there. 
And then also, thank you, thank you, thank you to Runner's World. We were featured in one of their um, one of their articles in regards to podcasts to listen to on um, a long run. So I want to say thank you very much. Our episode for Black Lives Matter definitely um, has gotten some exposure, and we want to say thank you to all the listeners that are listening to us now welcome as well as those that have reposted that episode and other episodes we greatly appreciate you yes indeedy so are we ready for brandon yes all right ready. we're ready for brandon so let's bring him on right now all right all right so we are back and we have a great interview today we have Brandon Johnson. He's out of Denver, Colorado. I'm checking out his uh, Instagram. He's rapping, repping, and running on his Instagram. Uh, he is a Olympic marathon trials qualifier. So, Brandon, welcome. Hey, we, we saw him in Atlanta when he was here before, but so we had to talk to him on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Yes. Thanks for having me. Before you, I want to add a couple more accolades to his his introduction. So not only is he Olympic trial qualifier, he kicked behind here in Atlanta at um, for the Olympic trials. He also is a Hoka One sponsor athlete. Just amazing. So hello, Brandon. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Um, appreciate the space for, for me to be here. Oh, not a problem. We, we, we really are happy that you were able to take time out of your day to speak with us. Now, guys, we don't show the video because we're actually on Zoom, but Brandon came to town during the Olympic trials and actually um, a lot of people know about Tess and she had a little meet and greet for some of the um, uh, black runners that were in the Olympic trials. Brandon is sporting his the race jacket that he was yes, given. He's he rolling, <laughs> he repping us. Like he said, he rapping, repping and running. So we appreciate that a whole, whole lot. Listen, hey, I'm going to hey, take, hey. uh, take a screenshot and send it to Tess. Tess always listens to our podcast, so I got you, Tess. I'm going to see you. Now, uh, Brandon, um, I was, we were talking a little bit before we even started recording that there aren't a lot of African-American uh, men like that are actually born in America, um, African-American men, in distance running. Tell us a little bit about your running story and how you got into distance running. <clears throat> Well, how much time do we have? I mean, uh, I haven't yet wrote the screenplay myself, but uh, it can be an entertaining story, just depending on when you catch me and how I tell it. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting story, depending on how I tell it. But I was originally in basketball in high school, and I never really ran track across the country. But my best friend was run, playing soccer and running track, and he thought I would be better at basketball by doing it and you know I tried out for the 100 and the 200 and skinny old me wasn't cut for that especially <laughs> in the the uniform they were given so my coach made me run the mile and I kind of fell in love with it there where I broke five minutes for my first time like my sophomore year wow um school wasn't my first you know thing you know being a being a teenage male especially in southern California I was easily distracted in school so uh, it didn't come first for me until I would say after college where I started working at a FedEx like graveyard shift and, and my old junior college coach came to my house at like six in the morning and uh, she told me she enrolled me into school and all my classes and all I had to do was show up for the race in Palmdale that weekend and I was like sure you know I'll show up for this race and I had it ran in about eight months after high school 
And uh, I just showed up and then all of a sudden I was enrolled in full time in community college while I was working graveyard shift at FedEx. And uh, I'd work from 2 a.m. in the morning till 8 a.m. And then take meet up for cross country practice at 9 a.m. And then take my classes from like 10 a.m. till 2 and then try to sleep in the middle of the day on the living on the beach in Ventura, California, and then kind of rinse and repeat and do that for a while, which didn't last too long. Uh, I ended up getting a real job that was during normal hours and uh, it just kind of stuck. And I knew Colorado was the place I wanted to be. And that's where the running Mecca was and how it has always been. And so uh, a dream of mine was to come to Colorado and run and compete and eventually hopefully compete at the Olympic trials. And uh, I was able to do that by reaching out to a coach at Metropolitan State University in Denver. And that coach, Pete Julian and Sean Nesbitt, you know, um, they let me walk on as I worked a full-time job in the restaurant biz. And if people in the, are keen on the running game now, they'll know that Pete Julian is a pretty renowned coach in the world and has coached some of the greatest athletes with a competing brand of ours, which, you know, is Nike. And so I've, I've got to brush shoulders with some pretty cool guys along the way and uh, just learn a lot, especially from coming from my background of not being so privileged and being able to make something out of this, which, you know, I never thought I would be able to. Wow. Yeah, that is a great story, man. Um, uh, so that was the two minute warning. <laughs> <laughs> I was action sequences, uh, montages, <laughs> all that, that I could not add to it, but hopefully that gave a good picture of it. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's what I listen to. I listen to just want to know how you got into it, and and you you definitely were very concise about how you got into distance running. Um, my other question: How did you end up with Hoka? Well, um, that is a great question. Um, when I was finishing up school around 2010-11, I was still working in the restaurant business and. Colorado, like I said, is the mecca of running. So you go into any of the specialty run specialty stores around, there's, it's heavily saturated with running stores. And running stores to me were like back in the day when I was on the beach and you'd go into your local skate shop or barber shop and you would just chop shop and talk about like the races that happened the week before. And that was something that always captivated me. And I go to Denver and get my first pair of shoes fitted on me and go through the gate analysis and I was like man this is amazing you know I'm already into shoes I love I love Jordans I love all these shoes that coming out and then you know just this whole other area of shoes that I didn't even know about mm -hmm. so uh, I was able to after school work part-time as a server at a restaurant and balance that with part-time at a running store while I was still training full-time and uh it was something that I wanted to ease into and eventually I got into a full-time position at the Boulder Running Company down in Denver and it was one of the bigger stores at the time. And I just kind of worked my way up, ran for a couple other brands along the way. But uh, there was this new brand that started right when I kind of started back in 2009, 10. And um, fitting running shoes on people was a huge joy of mine. I was able to really feel like I had a sense of purpose and I was helping people stay active regardless of their ability. And, you know, if they were the best runner or just a newbie getting introduced to running. And there was always this one brand that I would pull and nine times out of 10, regardless of how ugly it was, people really loved it and it made them feel great. And they came back and I was like, Hey, I'm, 
we're I'm onto something here, you know. And mm-hmm. I hear this story a million times as I do work in the position. It's something that really makes me feel like I'm a part of something special because I know I saw myself in that story when I hear it from other people when I go into different retailers. And uh, when I was unpacking some boxes, I saw that it said Goleta, California, Ventura, California. I'm like, hey, that's where I'm from. I'd be dope if I could work for this company because then you know I can work from back home or you know something yeah. like that. And um, as I was moving along ranks at the Boulder Running Company, I started training in Boulder with a group of uh, sub-professional, sub-elite runners that really like took my running to the next level around the age of 28. So I was uh, relocated to Boulder at the original Boulder Running Company. And uh, I started applying for some positions within Hoka, hopefully to go back to California because I was kind of one foot in the door, one foot out of running. I didn't know if I can continue to do it at my age and what I was doing in life. And so I applied for the job and I ended up getting the position for the Colorado tech position. And uh, it's been a game changer ever since. And it's been a huge blessing in my life, especially because the store I worked at was the first store ever to sell a Hoka. And oh, wow. um, yeah, so I got to know a lot of guys that were, excuse me, that were um, kind of transferred from working at the store into the brand or just some OG. They're the OGs of running essentially. <laughs> and uh, they, there's some pretty cool guys in Boulder in the community that don't really get mentioned in the running world, but had a huge play in specialty run and just the footwear industry in general. And, uh, you know, they're the kind of ones that made me interested in becoming uh, a rep and working for a shoe company. And that was something that I really wanted to do. It was a dream job of mine. And uh, I was able to make it work. And it's been great ever since. Cool. Yeah. So when you said they're the first ones to sell Hoka, they were the first ones to sell Hoka in the U.S. or in Colorado? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So U.S. nationally. Um, I guess I can tell the backstory of Hoka as well, because that's something that I love to do. It's a great story and it's a brand that, you know, uh, does, they like to tell stories and they like people to have an experience behind it. And the two creators of the brand still work with us today, which is rare for any brand, Nico and Jean-Luc. They came from another brand in the ski department and they were just wanting to bomb the French and Swiss Alps. So they wanted to create these attachments that they can put on their feet and bomb down these really big mountains and you know they they could take these attachments off and put them back on their pack and go about their business and they brought the idea to or about 10 or 11 years ago to mark and johnny who were the original owners of boulder running company and they're like hey let's just make it a shoe and that's kind of what they did um (laughs) where they made this huge platform attachment that most people are scared of and think there are actual platforms um, and they made it into a really great trail shoe, ultra running shoe that just really grew word of mouth and not a lot of marketing. And that's how it blew up. So the first, the first three stores in my territory were the first three stores ever to sell a Hoka. And a lot of people think it's like from Colorado and it, you know, it originated from here, but it has a great origin story. Mark and Johnny from the Boulder running company were the first ones to sell it. Mm. Nico and John Luke, who still are a part of the brand, they brought it out here and you know, where it's been on and popping ever since. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's when I saw Hoka. I think I, it was the first and last um, trail race I've ever run. I ran a, a half marathon trail race like an idiot who had never run trails before. <laughs> but I, I, the main thing I do remember is like everybody was wearing the Hokas. I mean, I was like, what is this? I'd never seen them before. 
because um, I was kind of new to distance running anyway. So now to see these new Hoka's out there, but they, they swore by them. And then I saw them start to kind of bleed into road racing as well. Right. I think that's what I'm excited about right now is that they are, like you said, Tommy, bleeding into road racing and having a shoe that is a little bit more versatile or are they just having more more lines of shoes that would be more uh, likable for road runner road racers so tell me now i know right now you are doing field marketing you're a field marketing representative for hoga what is kind of the it shoe right now i know that y'all just launched a new shoe tell us a little bit about that <laughs> well what's my favorite shoe personally or what is the it shoe for the brand in general oh, <laughs> Yeah, let's tell us both. Let's hear both. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I, these are some heavy hitters. I weren't prepared for these <laughs> questions. But um, personally, it depends on the type of run I'm doing, honestly. Um, being just north of Boulder in Colorado, I live in Longmont. Uh, I have great access to trails and the roads. And, you know, in the running world out here, you're either one or the other on the trail or on the roads. Um, when I'm on the roads, I like to rock the Bondi six which is like our most cushioned i call it the cadillac mercedes model of the line um when i'm just chilling and running on the road but for the brand oh man that's a tough one um i would say it's a toss-up between the bondi which i like and the clifton which is a step down i call that like the sedan entry level type of cushioning if you're not used to the brand okay. and that one does really well for us okay. so um those two guys are are the money makers okay now I know that so Clifton is that is, is there a Clifton and a Clifton Edge or is that the Clifton Edge that's um, one of the newer shoes? Yep. So the Clifton Edge okay. is a shoe that's coming out July first. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a cool, exciting shoe to highlight our Hoka technology, which you're starting to see mimicked a little bit more across the industry. Mm -hmm. um, so we're just having fun with it with a new sleeker type of model you know a lot of people call us the dad shoe or something amazing like that but i think you're starting to see hoka really push the industry in the envelope with the fashion side of things as well and mm -hmm. uh you know that function meets fashion type of shoe for someone that's pretty new to the brand i think the clifton edge would be a great option for them and it just looks pretty cool so you know um that's like how we're highlighting future technologies going in the future um you know not really falling stagnant with just the same models but having something that's like what you said a little bit more approachable for everybody right right and i know that the what it, the um 109 is a trail shoe that's a really good 12 tra trail shoe that's new out as well that's really good for downhills and conquering those trails have you tried those out on the trails yet unfortunately i have not had the opportunity to rock the 109s yet um it came out right after the Olympic trials and during the middle of everything. So um, that was it on my to-do list, on the top of my to-do list. <laughs> but as well, after the Olympic trials, I took quite some time off. So I, I haven't been doing too much running, honestly. Uh, we can understand that. You, you deserve yeah. some time off. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, you deserve some time off. <laughs> now, we're going to go back to Hoka a little bit, but I want to actually get, let you tell your Olympic trial story. Um, just kind of from the inception of, hey, I want to run in the Olympic trials, the Marathon Olympic trials, to the process, you know, getting there and then actually coming to Atlanta and actually having to run on our beautiful, beautiful hills. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I think growing up, I always wanted to go against the grain and do something different. And, uh, you know, being, being black and growing up, you always want to do one thing either like not, I'm not saying generalized for everyone, but it seems pretty stereotypical for people to either want to play some type of sports or make some music. And, uh, I felt like <laughs> running, running was like something that was totally different and asked backwards at the time in 2004 or five, when I really started picking it up and, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm onto something here. And I recognized that I was one of a few that was doing it um, for my community. And, um, you know, the Olympics were just something that had this nostalgia atta attached to it. And I thought that, you know, I can make a name for myself or perhaps uplift others in the community by achieving for something that was different and unique and not really following the status quo of what my peers were doing at the time because. I went to Ventura High School and I had some really great athletes that I played sports with that went pro and, you know, they're just doing the dang thing. And I was like, dang, what can I do being, you know, five, nine and a hundred pounds that um, could be different and impactful. <laughs> and um, I, I tell people I didn't find running, running found me. So um, it was just something that I knew that could be done and it was easy. And you know, when you get into it, it becomes more of a lifestyle. It's not even you're an athlete. It's a way of, of mental health and meditation and just having that mental fortitude to go through anything. And you don't even really consider yourself an athlete at a certain point. You just, it's just your lifestyle. So uh, something I, I adapted really, really early on. And I know tons of great elite runners who have no ego attached to them that will treat and talk to anyone the same way, because that's like the, the beautiful, the beautiful part of the running community. Mm -hmm. yeah I would definitely say you are totally correct with that you mentioned Alphine we got Peyton Thomas that we interviewed they're all within that same realm of just amazing people that you know the ego is not there and they definitely are doing awesome so you qualified for the marathon Olympic trials running a 218.14 in a full marathon tell us about that experience of you qualifying well, I would say that was probably one of the highlight moments of my life, um, just for the time of what I was going through. Uh, I had, you know, the 20s in my life were a huge ebb and flow. And at that time, I was coming off of a real downtime. And then I got on with Hoka that summer. And then I was like, you know, what? I'm going to go for it. And I was training with Brad Hudson, uh, elite at the time. And I made some great friends as I was commuting from Denver to Boulder to train with these world-class runners. And they pretty much only trained marathon. And I was, you know, 29, 30, trying to still run 5Ks and miles with kids straight out of high or straight out of college and getting whooped up. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe I need to find something different. And, you know, a boulder is a huge endurance scene anyway. So I think marathoning is one of the more popular sports. But when I started preparing for it, it wasn't really that much talked about um, in my immediate group anyway. So, uh, I would say an old training partner of mine, Ian Butler, Parker Stinson, just the group of guys I had around me training at the time just really motivated me. felt like I was a part of something that I was never a part of before, even college or any, any other time in my running, because you had a very group of guys from all over the country for the same common goal, and that was, you know, qualify for Olympic trials. But I would say most of us don't say we're just trying to qualify for the trials. We want to qualify for Olympic team. And that's what a lot of guys – you know, don't really say because at the end of the day, you're competing against your own, your own homies, your own comrades. And, um, you know, so the, the Olympic trials is just a step 
<laughs> a lot of guys the marathon was one of those more attainable steps for guys and that's why I saw such a huge field out there and um after after I met up with the group of guys that really showed me that having a group and the same common goal was something that really got me to where I wanted to be and made it a lot easier than you know training by yourself which I was really thankful for at the time because leading up to the trials I was doing it all by myself yeah I mean that totally makes sense and I think that it's it's good when you can link up with people and be with people that are going to give you that motivation and to find just like very top-notch goals and can can push you out of that comfort zone that you may not have had before so I think that that's awesome that you were able to connect with those people so at what point like did it become real that you were going to the marathon olympic trials and kind of how was your thought process because I know there's a lot of conversation uh there was a lot of conversation around the hills in Atlanta and kind of what you had to prepare for what was that conversation conversation like and kind of how was those steps in regard well, for the trials. Uh, when I qualified for the Olympic trials, it was two days before my 30th birthday. So it was like mm. a gift to myself that I wanted to do. I'm the best birthday gift ever. <laughs> I qualified in December 2017 when they opened the window at CIM. So I had a whole two years to just look and get ready and just, you know, kind of psych myself out, which I think was maybe part of it. I'm not 100% sure. You know, I've uh, had a little time to think during all things, but I think um, leading up to it, it was it was probably one of the more challenging things in my life, balancing work and running at the mm. same time and the amount of how quickly um, my job and how our, our company is blowing up and how I wanted to focus and stay on track of my fitness. So there's a lot of things I had to sacrifice, um, personal relationships, time with friends and family, um, to just really balance the two and you know sometimes it seems like a balancing act but it was more of like a juggling act and every now and then something gave a little bit more than the other and retrospectively that was something that I looked at a lot was just like you know what really gave in the long run and honestly uh, I'm at peace with everything just because uh, the race didn't go as well as I planned you know I, I was dealing with some hamstring issues leading up to it for a whole year mm. and um I had a great 12-week buildup that was by myself, and one of my best friends got on his bike and paced me on my 20-mile long runs every Sunday and played the, and played the funk That's music awesome. down the, the trail <laughs> while it scared people. Um, and, and I had a great support right. group, and they weren't like runner runners, but there were people that wanted to help me accomplish my goals. And so I was really hoping to go in there as an underdog and finishing in the top 20, top 10, which I still believe could have been something that happened. It's just, you know, Every dog has its day, and any given Sunday or Saturday, whatever day the race is, things come together, things mm -hmm. fall apart. And I had a terrific buildup, which you'll hear a lot of runners say, you know, they had the buildup of a lifetime, but just on that race day, it didn't come together for me. And, you know, I'm okay, yeah. I'm okay with that. You know, it happens. And I've had a lot of pro and world class runners tell me the same thing where, you know, they've had the best training buildups of their life, and it just didn't happen on that day for them. And, yeah. You know, that's just the, that's just what the price we pay for, for the sport that we do. Cause it's that much of a lifestyle where you mm -hmm. hear some of the greatest runners that never were. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like anything can happen on race day. I tell people that. And I know that the Atlanta roads as well as it was, I had never seen Atlanta as windy as it was on the day of the Marathon Olympic trials. So between right. the 
the hills, everything. Like it was, it was so windy. It was ridiculous. So, I mean, not just the, you know, environment, but of course anything that happened to our bodies. So I totally understand. I still think you did an amazing job. Um, in regards to your buildup, kind of how many miles were you kind of doing during those 12 weeks? How many weeks, how many miles were you doing a week during your buildup? Um, well, a, a typical marathon training buildup can be anywhere from 10 to 16 weeks, depending on how many marathons you've done before. Um, so I had about a 20 week buildup. That was a progressive type of buildup where I started off at like 60 to 80 miles for the first six weeks and then slowly built up to the nineties and low hundreds for the next four to six weeks. And then I really peaked it at like above 110, 105 miles for the next couple weeks until about two weeks out, I was able to taper it down to around 50 to 70 again. Okay, good. Excuse okay. me. Um, oh gosh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Um, yeah, so I got in about, I would say mid 90s to 100 was the overall mileage for the whole buildup for mm -hmm. about 15, 14 weeks. Yeah, that's totally amazing. And were you strength training in between there or you do you usually, focus solely on running during your trainings uh well those that know me a little bit more will say that i'm probably one of the more unhealthy runners that they've seen <laughs> um especially for my age you know i'm, I'm 32 now and uh, i run with a lot of younger guys but um strength strength and condition conditioning wasn't something that i focused on a lot it was kind of when i could do it especially with juggling work and just personal life so uh, it was a little bit harder for me to do stuff like that. Now it's all I'm doing is more strength and conditioning and less running just because I felt like the day of the race, I might've been a little anemic and unhealthy, um, which is something that is easily put into a runner's mind when you're just running miles and miles. Like you almost just go drive yourself insane with just making sure you get the next mile, the next run and hitting that average week after week after week. So um, that's kind of why I've been in a state of just being lackadaisical and a little lazy, but, um, yeah, it can, it can wear on you over time. So when you were doing during the marathon Olympic trials, I know you said that the race did not go as planned. And I don't know if you heard me and Tommy, but we were screaming your name out there on the course. <laughs> oh, I heard you guys. I heard you guys. <laughs> Everyone that I spoke to, uh, that night, the two nights before, uh, at the talk with the race and everyone. Um, I definitely saw them lined up along the water bottles and everything. The race itself the whole week was a, was a great experience. Uh, every, the whole community, the running community, Atlanta, Atlanta Track Club. Um, Hoka was out, my whole entire Hoka staff was out there, which was amazing, which kind of put a little more pressure on myself because my whole family flew out from California and Colorado. And oh, wow. I just had so many people out there and I, everything was moving so quickly and um I think I was a little excited and went out over zealous and that you know paid paid big in the end I think a lot of guys did the race was like a war it was just straight carnage I was looking at guys just dying left and right and if you mm. saw me I was I was pretty much walking it in at the end I think I got passed by 70 to 100 women towards the end um and I was like just all right I'm gonna start rolling at this point so <laughs> get on my hands and knees and start rolling in on to finish so, yeah and there's a couple guys that I, I knew just from the running scene that were like come on baby let's go let's go and I saw right. a lot of guys on the back of the golf cart you know getting carried back to the start or the the health aid tent 
And uh, I just wanted to, something just told me as I was crying the whole time, like, I got to finish this race regardless. And, you know, they have the cutoff and everything. So I just wanted to make sure. I think mile 16 is when I blew up and I just knew I wasn't going to happen. And it was right in front of the hotel. And I just stopped off to the side and a, a little old lady comes up to me and she's like, are you doing okay, baby? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't think I'm going to finish this race how I want it. She's like, it's okay. Take your time. Have some grapes. <laughs> and then I, just, I just sat there and ate some grapes and like looked at the crowd around me and uh, realized I didn't have my hotel key on me because I had those tiny shorts on. So I yeah. stood up and I'm like, I think I'm going to finish it. And then the whole crowd around me just start going nuts. And they're like, finish it. <laughs> so I got up and start running like eight, eight or nine minute pace, just hobbling off while the whole crowd like cheered me on to finish the race. And I got to go by one more time as they saw me and like cheered me on. So no matter where I was at on the course, it was just so electric and so amazing that um, there's a million people telling me just to finish the race. And looking back I'm I'm super happy that I was able to because you know that was the last race I was able to race in 2020 so far right yeah exactly yeah. exactly we just barely got that one in before everything kind of shut down but what I'm actually really happy to hear is that you as a runner actually felt that electricity because trust me it, it's not like that at a regular 5k here in Atlanta I mean I don't even know I don't even know if it's like that on Peachtree Day you know what I mean I don't know it, it's close yeah it's close, it's, but I, I mean, it was electric. With anything like it, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm glad you were able to feel that. I think a lot of runners that I spoke with afterwards felt the same way, and I don't think anyone really had a bad experience or anything negative to say about the, mm -hmm. the whole weekend just in general. Maybe just the win. That's probably the only thing they can talk about, and maybe mm -hmm. why the next day race had better better weather than we did but <laughs> those right, yes, it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly let me ask let me ask you this brandon i mean you're in you're in colorado what is what is the terrain there is it hilly or you know because i mean you're right there by the rocky you know mountain so i would think you would have some hills is it a more hilly terrain is it close to like what it is in atlanta uh it can be whatever you want it to be honestly so mm -hmm. uh, that's the beauty of running in colorado i live more north on the plains where I can see the the flat irons and the Rockies so behind my house I live pretty secluded with like about eight or nine miles of crushed gravel and country road is which where I train at and it's just rolling hills with a lot of wind which is similar to Atlanta but most runners they have the opportunity or capability to go up even higher in altitude and run at mags or swiss and get up to 10,000 feet in altitude and that's the real draw of running in colorado is that you're sitting at like 5200 feet but you can get up to 10,000 feet and a lot of runners would do that on their long run days and go out and run two three hours but i think that's why you see so many elite runners in colorado that are just crushing it on the trails and the road because yeah you're doing both of them while you're out here depending on the weather and you know the weather can turn on a dime out here as well so um depending on the season you know it's just what you're training for and leading up to the trials was the snowiest record in boulder history which i was like oh okay that makes that's makes sense but um i had a great facility to run on in longmont which is just north of boulder and they kept it pretty plowed for me and i, I had tan lines still leading into to march and april just because how cold it was in colorado and um, I thought I was prepared for 
Atlanta weather. I was like, oh man, I'm in Colorado and I'm ready for anything. And I got out there and I was sadly mistaken. (laughs) (laughs) Beyond the race itself, how was your time here in Atlanta? I know you, I know we got to meet you at the uh, little reception or get together uh, that tested, but beyond that, how was your time here in Atlanta? Uh, It was great. I mean, I was there for work as well the days leading up to it, but it was something that I think my whole family enjoyed the experience of as well. Um, just because I grew up in a place with not too much, or I don't grow up, I live right now in a place with not that much diversity. And I think a lot of my family do too. So it was good to come back and feel like we were all at home to have a family reunion in Atlanta and watch me. And then, you know, Took the family to Magic City afterwards. Oh, oh. yeah! <laughs> what? Um, what? I think it was something that we needed just because we didn't realize how much dope music came out of Atlanta that we like slept on because you know we're from the West Coast, so we take pride in our music. And I'm like, man, like literally all my favorite music is. So I'm like riding down Atlanta, just checking out streets of like stuff rappers were rapping about. I'm like, oh man, like playing some old ludicrous or something like that. I was like, man, this. Uh, it was something I needed. It was like almost like returning to a Mecca for me, honestly, just because I live in such seclusion. Mm. Wow. That is, you had an epic weekend though, if you came and went. (laughs) (laughs) That was my sister's idea. It wasn't mine. She she was like, you have to experience everything. I was like, okay. (laughs) Go sis. Right. Exactly. Now we can get back to um, your job. At Hoka. So it sounds like you got the job at Hoka first, then you became a Hoka sponsored runner. Is that the correct way it kind of happened or is it is it the other uh, way around? Well, technically I am not a Hoka sponsored runner. Okay. Uh, I just that's the the funny thing about running is you don't technically have to be sponsored to be considered elite. There's many, many athletes that don't have any sponsorship, and that's the beauty part of it is I can be some no name Joe Blow coming to a 5k and line up shoulder to shoulder with a world-class athlete and accidentally beat him one day and I guess a great example of that would be someone like uh Jacob Riley who got second at the trials you know he didn't Mm -hmm. have uh, a sponsor or anyone providing for him and he really cleaned up this last year on the roads and he was able to make a living which is very rare for runners to do so you actually see I guess three types of runners you see the runner that has a little bit more privilege and is able to have a sponsorship or more of support and backing then you see a runner like jake that you know is a shark and he's just on the road getting the money taking people's lunch monies and then (laughs) then you see someone more like myself who's a little bit more blue collared and balances the job and uh, maybe their family and running which is the more common runner that you would see and that's why it's such a common sport and a great sport just because you'll see right. more blue collar dudes that are out there that are like hey I took off of work to be here you know and that's what you see most of all and that's the community that you see is just these guys coming together and sacrificing their time with their family or their job just to come out and like live this life and this this dream of theirs exactly so I really wanted to get more into or let India get more into the diversity thing with Hoka that she had kind of seen. So India, kind of talk talk to him about that and, and kind of your questions about that. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, for me, um, 
Brandon, what, when a lot of stuff started going down with all the, in, the social injustices that took place, I was really eyeballing a lot of the brands that either people represent, I represent, I was an ambassadorship for, or just a lot of the major brands like Hoka and Nike and Saucony and all of those different brands to see how they were, what stance they were taking, how they were marketing and publicizing or reaching out to their athletes and how they were kind of advertising their support, lack thereof, or whatever space they were in, in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement. And something that I saw um, with Hoka One is that they really took an immediate stance with backing their athletes, backing their employees, backing the Black Lives Matter um, movement, and just really being public about what they were doing as a company and being public about what they were doing just as a whole and in support and and wanted to ensure that these injustices are, you know, coming to an end. And I think that it, Hope One is one of the main companies that I saw taking this stance. And I think it was very good. And the fact that they were kind of some of the being um, companies and brands that decided to speak out against it. So I just wanted to, I think, what are your thoughts behind, I guess, working for Hoka One and being able to kind of see that stance that they took kind of, you know, how has that been with being a, a um, employee of theirs? Uh, honestly, I was, I was super proud um, to be a part of this brand. And I said it multiple times to everyone that I worked with. Uh, mm -hmm. Even before things hit the fan in this way, I've made mention of it before to people that I work with that, you know, I have friends in the industry at other brands and they see us and they say that, you know, we're doing the right thing and that we are more diverse than other brands. And even yes. though that we are more diverse, we're still really not that diverse, but Hoka recognizes it and, you know, they are letting us feel empowered and uplift and use my voice is, you know, why I'm here with you guys today. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they want us to have that platform and voice. And that's one of the things that I really, really jived with when I got with the brand is we have one of the biggest tech rep forces in the country and they want us to let us use our voices and be the face of the brand in a very genuine and authentic type of way. And I believe we have about four or five black reps across the country, which I would say no other brand has. And, you know, that was something that also, you know, people recognize and they, 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 they really respect. And even though the industry itself, the outdoor footwear industry is not that diverse, I think, honestly, I, I'm a part of a brand that can lead that and be the leaders of, you know, recognizing leadership in a corporate position and not just talking about it and actually being about it and letting their employees and staff voice their opinions in that manner and that's one of the main things that I've experienced throughout being with Toka for three years and um, is one of the reasons why I wanted to represent the brand was just because I felt like when I was selling Hoka's like I was Hoka you know I was helping people out and I was putting shoes on people and it didn't matter what they were and that's the beautiful thing about the running community is that it's so diverse you do have privileged people you have people from the most poorest countries in the world and uh, that blue collar runner that I was talking about and that's one of the biggest takeaways that I've taken from running is that I've had friends from South Sudan who We've had their whole families murdered in front of them. And, you know, I, I, I see that we all live in a common struggle and common pain. And running is a platform and a community that we've always been come together and forget the color of our skin and forget where we came from and forget if you're a trust fund baby or if you escaped apartheid. And 
uh, that's something that running has always been for me. And to be a part of a brand that's really even been about that before, you know, companies decided to capitalize off of it. That was already the move that we we're making is let's open this for everybody, you know, whether you're what color, gender, race, ethnicity, body shape, size is something that, you know, I preach to my family. You know, I always joke that I'm the smallest runt in my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my, my family has the, the diabetes that they kind of earned and they see me and, you know, my family's super motivated, super excited. They love Hoka's. They're trying to, they're losing 20, 40 pounds. Oh, and that wow. was something that like really, really uplifted me because I fell into running on accident and I'm seeing, you know, the health industry, I'm seeing colors and minorities live very unhealthy lives. And I was on that path as well. And I found running and I've been able to network and make a community of people that I really love and trust and believe in. And being a part of this footwear brand was something that kind of fell into it. And I've been super lucky to be a part of it, just to even have a voice and talk to people and inspire and motivate other people that are coming out of terrible situations or, you know, do some things. And that's the beauty of running. And that's why I really liked where I was going anyway, or wanted to be a brand that I can kind of align my goals and that with at the same time. And it's been really easy and it's been, I've been super blessed and fortunate to be a part of it. Yeah. I think that's the beauty behind doing something that you're passionate about, which for you obviously is running and for you also is shoes and being able to sell and market shoes and also doing it for a company that you can represent as well as that you your morals align with the values of the company. And I think that that's something that not many people can say that all of those things align. Um, and I think that it definitely is a true blessing for you that they do align. Um, and Absolutely. I think that hopefully that it can continue to grow. I know for me, I was very impressed. On June 15th, um, Hoka did a elevating black voices in some of their athletes so Aaron Potts interviewed Claire Green, Rob Ford, Darius Terry, Sika Henry which we've had also had on our show before um and basically just kind of talked about being able to kind of what their entry was into the 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 stance of the Black Lives Matter and you know all of the injustices that are happening was just an awesome way that Hoka allowed and I shouldn't say allow, but like, watch, I will say allow, allow their platform to be used for that conversation. Um, I know that there are a lot of brands that are sending out a post or sending out an email, but the fact that Hoka took the time to allow an hour or two for their athletes to discuss their, their position um, in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement and how they have been matriculating through the world of running, um, as a, as a black athlete was a big deal. So I just wanted to ask you kind of, have you kind of, what was your, or what has your experience been as a black athlete? Have you bumped into things that have been not so great or kind of what was your, has been, what has always been kind of your thoughts or have you been told growing up that, okay, you're African-American man and you're, you know, you're a black man and there's just things that you have to do differently. Kind of what has been your experience in regards to that? Well, uh, that was a pretty long question, so I'll try Sorry. to <laughs> I'll try to answer it as best as I can. Um, send him the transcripts, India. Send him the transcripts. I would say going back to that uh, stereotype that I mentioned before is you know a lot of uh, young black males feel like they need to either place a sport or 
make some music and I definitely fall in that category. But at the same time, the way I was raised was to be different and think outside the box. And that's why I think, you know, for me, I always wanted to be in the footwear, footwear industry, but I wanted to think of how is a beneficial and impactful way to do that. And there's a lot of fluff with brands that, you know, are benefiting off of the minority and the black dollar, especially when you have athletes that are sponsored by them and they're like, Oh, we have majority black sponsored athletes. How are we going to go about this message? And so that takes a lot of finagling, but when you're actually like genuinely mean well and authentic about it and you want to uplift these voices, it's not, it's like a no brainer almost when you just, you know, you have, these voices that are able to have this platform and spread a, a message that no other brand is able to spread because they don't have that capability or that platform or even the foresight because, you know, they might not have the same diversity within the company. And uh, I think that was something that you mentioned on your last podcast, actually, just, you know, kind of rep recognizing that within brands and then supporting brands that are actually about uplifting people. It doesn't really necessarily have to be, you know, black owned businesses, which, you know, is nice to support, but we need to start thinking more of like where we do put our dollars and who's really there for the people and for the minority people, because we have such a huge amount of dollars that are very important. And this is a time where, you know, we're leading to election where we're just hearing it from everyone. You have to really look inside yourself and know yourself as a person and where you're contributing your manpower, your money, where your dollar is going. And I think that's what we're starting to see from a lot of brands, either if they're backpedaling or trying to, you know, fluff up some stuff. And I think we, as people can tell who is, who's doing the talking and who's doing the walking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I will definitely say that that uh, seems <laughs> to me, local one seems like they are doing talking and walking more walking than talking, <laughs> which is what we need. We need people, you know, we need these brands to be putting, you know, doing, putting the action behind um, the words and ensuring that they are, we are having representation within our, the athletes um, that are one employed um, and whether that be in positions like yourself or even in higher leadership, I think that those are things that should be done as well as sponsor athletes or even ambassadorships. I mean, I think that that's important as well, even if they're not paid, having that representation on all different levels and all different abilities as well as far as running, not just your elite athletes. So I think that that's great um, that we're able to, to do it. So being that you live in Colorado and you've been, you, you, you said it a couple times that your house is kind of secluded and on the outskirts how you have you just been kind of ingesting news and everything that's been going on just on tv or are they doing anything in colorado in regards to the movement um well colorado is very unique in terms of it is going through a state of renaissance right now a lot of people want to move out here and so you're seeing a lot of growth that way but uh me personally it kind of just happened on accident i think my whole life has just been one social experiment after another and, um, you know, being a distance runner in a primarily white community or being a sub-elite runner in an all-white community, and then now I move even further north away from that. And I joke a lot to my friends about what I deal with. And, you know, I'm known as mostly a jokester and not that serious, but I think it's because of the amount of seriousness that I deal with that mm -hmm. I don't take a lot of things too seriously. So when I moved out here, you know, I, 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 I see it all the time, you know, like it's North Colorado. It's, I tell people it's closer to Wyoming. So 
I definitely mm -hmm. have to be careful and my mom definitely is concerned about me when I go on for runs because I've had a lot of instances and negativity that's happened even in Colorado despite mm -hmm. how liberal it may seem and uh, you know that's just something that I realized during all of this watching it on the news that a lot of my counterparts we internalize what happens and we make it normal and we we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable so we don't talk about it as much but we do find allies and people that we are comfortable with that we can share instances that happen to us on a daily weekly basis of experiencing racism and prejudice even mm -hmm. even in the places you think you would never experience it and so uh, in Colorado hasn't been any different in regards to that but I would say the movement I've been super surprised by the amount of people that have reached out to me uh, I commonly joke that I must have been a lot of my friends only black friends and I'm supportive and happy that they like reached out to me instead of just going on social media because I I have a love-hate relationship with social media, so uh, <laughs> the, the black community isn't as strong out here, but there's a lot of people that are very proactive and very woke, and they want to know where their brands come from and where their food source, and when there's a challenge like this, they're met with head-on. I feel like some of my friends, some of my white friends have been more proactive than me on what they can do to change, but you know, mm -hmm. I have to pick and choose my battles, especially if I'm on another platform where I'm trying to spread a message and to spread a word, so... Um, I've been thankful to have this platform and be able to talk to people. And even as I move up in a corporate world, you know, have a conversation with someone that may not have realized it. And then now looking back retrospectively after all this has happened, you know, maybe I did trigger something or spark something in their mind. So Colorado has been pretty cool about the whole thing. You know, there's a lot, of, there's not that much diversity, but I'm almost taken back and proud of my, my, friends and you know non-minority friends that are taking the charge and taking the lead on things and that lets me know that we're headed in the you know we're taking the first marathon that we have to fight you know true awesome. yeah very very true um now brandon wh what's next for you i know it's <laughs> it's uh it's been you know a little weird with COVID 19 not a lot of races out there but like what is your plans running life uh, you know, business, what is, what's next for you? That is a great question. I mean, I, I kind of figured you're going to ask me that and I still don't have an answer for it. Yet. Um, you know, I was like, man, I guess this is a good opportunity to work on my mixtape, you know, <laughs> get it going, uh, rapping, going, rapping baby. and running. I'm telling you, come on, man. That's a shirt. Uh, you need to get that yeah. going. <laughs> I know from, from the streets to the peaks is what I tell him. <laughs> uh, nah, but, uh, I, I definitely was very down and out after the trials and I'm like, you know, I think it's time for me to hang up the shoes and focus more on my, my career and uh, you know I didn't want to walk away from the game like that and then I saw the Jordan Last Dance documentary and then you know these um, protests people are starting to wake up it's we're witnessing a mass awakening which I think is very beautiful and that has kind of sparked and motivated me to keep on running and take part in these races that you don't see a lot of black faces at so I signed up for a handful of trail races in very secluded areas in Vail and Wyoming and Utah. And 
I'm just doing those with some friends to stay motivated and hopefully stay healthy for one more season so I can try to make one more push for that 10K on the track for the Olympic trials. Oh, wow. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds very good. Wow. So as far as your time with uh, Hoka as, you know, uh, a marketing rep, is there any any move a uh, future there or are you going to start your own shoe i mean did you have any ideas of what you want to do for them <laughs> well you know if they want to give me my own shoe i think it's beneficial <laughs> for both of us i'm but... here for we're going <laughs> to for you to get your own shoe <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but i mean i love doing what i'm doing right now and i mean you guys can tell that i'm very passionate about my work and running and whatnot uh i love product and design but I love talking to people at the same time. So I don't see me going anywhere else unless, you know, something else happens, but hopefully this is what I can do right now. And I'm just grateful for being able to do it today and hopefully tomorrow. So I hope to stick with this brand as long as, you know, our, our goals and visions align together. Nice. Yeah. And I mean, definitely, I think that is an awesome way to look at it. And I think for me, like I know that Tommy mentioned this in the beginning before we started talking to you, um, just the fact that you are American born, just black man that is doing great things out here and you deserve the platform to be able to talk about the good things that you are doing. Um, and just being able to represent and see more, more brown legs out there on the courses. <laughs> we need more of that. So I think that is awesome. No pressure for you to keep running, but um, I think that Tommy and I and a lot of our followers would, and listeners would love to see you on some more runs and races and hopefully be um, the track for the Olympics. That would be amazing. That would be well, great. Let me take that back. I mean, you guys have been huge as well. I didn't realize that I had any fans or following at all you know I thought I was just out here doing it and going through the motions and that's something else that I've taken into consideration as well as the amount of people that I potentially impacted and have noticed me and when you guys reached out to me and Tess reached out to me to talk at the trials you know that was like the highlight of my weekend you know I didn't realize that I had that much impact and I had a platform and that's when my brain started to think differently it was like oh sh oh shit you know like I I need to be doing this like it's not for me and I know it's not for me anymore I'm not trying to be a narcissistic like oh me 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 I need these times I'm doing it to like show people my sisters my family everyone that has seen me go through struggles and going through their own struggles and anyone that I can inspire along the way and that's something that you guys really helped spark in me so I, I want to thank you guys for for, for that yeah yes. of course. well we, okay. we appreciate you man we really do yeah, and you are an amazing individual and continue doing your thing. I think it's, I, I appreciate the fact that you're very well-rounded um, in regards to the sport and kind of your journey and you're very humble about the process that you've gone through and where you are and just continue doing amazing things out here and continue to be yourself and be true to yourself. I appreciate that. And if you guys have any, uh, any other guest features you need me on, you know, I'll be happy <laughs> to jump on and talk about more recurrent recent events in life. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Now, before you go, of course, I'm sorry, go ahead, India. I was just going to say, we definitely have to get you here to the race once it, you know, becomes live again. I know that this year they are pivoting, 2020, they are pivoting to a virtual style race. But hopefully once it gets becomes in town, we can get you in town for the race for the half marathon here. 
That was the only race I was looking for towards after the trials. <laughs> no. no. Oh, okay. Well, definitely. When it's, when it's live again, we definitely we definitely got to have you here. Now, so yes. we can get you some more followers. So now that more people are going to know about you, hopefully, you know, our listeners uh, are going to want to follow you. Give us your, you know, Instagram, your Twitter, uh, that information so they can keep in touch with you. Uh, my Instagram is osnapb. It's a kind of a running joke with some friends of mine. It's O-O-H-S-N-A-P-B-E-E. -E. Like, oh, snap me. But, um, <laughs> and then my Twitter, I really don't mess with Twitter too much, but it's Billy Dro 1500 B-I-L-L-Y-D-R-O-1500. And I occasionally check that one just to keep up on, like, news and stuff. But I'm hardly ever on Twitter. And I try to stay off of social media for the most part. Like, I've gathered a, a somewhat of a humble following, but... It's something that I realize is more of a networking and it's how you utilize it. It could be negative. It could be positive. But, you know, with the amount of what's going on in the world, it's hard to look at social media and see, you know, you're scrolling down your feed and seeing the injustices and everything just shoved in your face. But at the mm -hmm. same time, I've been able to connect and talk to so many people that have actually reached out to me. And it's been the 50-50 type of feel. So I'm trying to, like, be more consistent with the social media but still not get sucked into all the negativity that it can bring. Most definitely, yeah. most definitely. Well, Brandon, thanks again for taking time out of your day to speak with us. Um, we definitely will keep you in mind uh, with any topics that we feel like you might want to talk about. And if, if you listen to the show and you hear something and you want to comment about it, hit us up. We have no problem bringing you on and letting you talk. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Thank and you, Brandon, guys. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You've inspired me to get some Bondies or some Clifton. I haven't tried Hoka's, but I you're like the fifth person. It's like, you just need to try on some Hoka's. Well, so you're talking to the guy. I could be the guy that hooks you up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you Tommy. We got to get Hoka's on both of you guys' feet. Yes, indeed. Yes. I, yes, definitely. And once again, appreciate it, Brandon. And we'll talk to you soon, okay? Bye, Brandon. Take care, guys. Thank you. Oh, right. What a great interview. Oh, my gosh. He's so amazing. He, he definitely deserves his platform to talk more. Exactly, exactly. I really would actually like to be there when he's doing his marketing of uh, Hoka, because I'm sure it's a, it's a great presentation um, when right. he's sitting there, you know, talking to people about the shoe, because he, he's very For articulate. Sure. He's, he's very intelligent. He definitely um, has a good sense of humor about himself yes. as well as the world so um, and passionate great. about the brand and exactly so very passionate awesome. about the brand the brand uh, i would love for him to talk to kids like kids and and kind of you know introducing them to cross-country running i would love to see him um mm -hmm. do that kind of thing but great interview uh brandon once again thank you for uh, speaking with us so india yes. if yes. they want to get in touch with you how would they do that Yes, so you can, my personal Instagram is I underscore of underscore indigo, which is E-N-D-I-G-O underscore runs. So that's I of indigo runs. Um, and you can also find me at Miles from India on Instagram. That is my vlog Instagram where you can also find my YouTube page. Um, and you can also hit me up at mousefromindia at gmail.com if you want to email me. And you can get me at tmitch68 um, on Instagram as well as my email address, Thomas W. Mitchell, the number two at gmail.com. And always hit us up at the Run Duo. Run Duo Instagram, we're always there. Always there. So you guys have a great two weeks. India, enjoy your two weeks, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.